Welcome to the Book Bros, where we read the worst books so you don't have to. I'm Garrett. And I'm Andrew, and on today's agenda, we will be discussing J.D. Salinger's 1951 novel, The Catcher in the Rye. The story follows the main character, Holden Caulfield, and his struggle to transition into what would be called the phony adult world. Throughout the story, Holden struggles with the ideas of sex, perversion, and anything that seems remotely and genuine and fake, such as actors and wealthy members of society. He longs for his adult world to be filled with innocence and without these phony topics, but when he struggles to make this desire a reality, he becomes lonely and ostracized. So, you know, as the story and Holden's character progresses, you know, I would say that we really see two overarching themes develop. And, you know, I would say that these are the protection of innocence and the confusion and fear of reality leads to loneliness and instability. What do you think? I definitely agree. Like, I would definitely say that the main theme of the novel is, like you said, the protection of innocence and especially its implausibility. Uh, we see the theme developed from Holden's hatreds of sexual and ingenuous ideas throughout the novel. But I think we really start to see this theme develop towards the end of the novel when Holden says he wants to be the catcher in the rye. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great point. And, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because when he says this, you know, he's referring to Robert Burns's poem coming through the rye. And I don't know if you know, but it's like a children's poem that's actually has very sexual implications. But Holden has a different interpretation that, like, doesn't have these sexual implica implications. Uh, you know, he thinks it's just about a person catching children falling off a cliff in a rye field. And so, you know, when I think he's saying this, what he's basically saying is that he wants to guard both himself and other children from the adult world and, you know, like, catch them almost, like, as they fall into the cliffs of mm -hmm. uh, phoniness and, like, protect their innocence, basically. I also think Holden really starts to understand that being the catcher in the riot is impossible a little later when he takes his 10-year-old sister Phoebe to the carousel. She and a few other kids are reaching for a gold ring to the side of the carousel, and there's a sizable gap between them and the ring. And Holden gets nervous that they will fall, but then he realizes and he says, they, if they fall, they fall. And I think that when he says this, he's basically pulling back from his protective tendencies. And he realizes that falling and facing challenges is part of life, and you can't shield yourself from that. Yeah, for sure. You know, I was thinking, you know, that's definitely like a pretty epiphanic moment for him and, you know, like a big character change. And I, I do want to shift gears a little and talk about the novel's other main theme, which, you know, I think is the fear and confusion of reality leads to loneliness and instability. You know, I would say that, you know, we definitely see this the most from Holden's character in his interactions with others. Yeah, I totally agree. You can definitely tell how much he hates sex perversion and all other phony things, and just how much he complained about them. I know you said you counted him complaining over 240 times, which is insane. I also think with, we get this idea when he fights with his roommate Stradlatter because Holden is angry that Stradlatter had sex with the childhood friend Jane. He just wasn't comfortable with it and couldn't get it off his mind. Yeah, it was, he was definitely like a little obsessive over that. And, you know, that was a little weird, but I guess he just really hates sex, especially, you know, like meaningless casual sex. And I do want to mention the hotel scene too, because like, if you remember, he sees kinky people and a cross-dresser and he really starts to despise them. But, you know, then he gets a little like contradictory, like we said earlier, and he's actually a little intrigued by them too. You know, he even asks his mentor later, you know, a bunch of questions about sex and I think it's almost like a battle of morals in him because, like, he hates sex and perversion so much, but then at the same time, you know, he's intrigued by it and curious about it. And so I think this is really what leads to his depression because he's just confused about the world. Yeah, I definitely think so, too. He's so fearful and confused about his own world that he becomes lonely and unstable. We see the loneliness when he wants to live alone in the woods, pretend he's a deaf mute, and he never has to encounter the phoniness of the adult life again. We see his instability with his simultaneous superiority and inferiority complex, I noticed that he thinks he is the only genuine one and he uses cynicism to make himself appear better than the other people that almost distract himself from his confusion and loneliness. 
I also noticed that he's very similar to a lot of people that have manic depression or bipolar disorder. He has these low points where he gets very depressed, and at other times he has high energy, which we see in his constant rambling and digression. All right, so I don't know if you guys remember, but the slogan of our podcast is that we read books so you don't have to. And this kind of suggests that we didn't like the book, and that is definitely 100% true. You know, I don't know about you, Garrett, but I, I say that because the book was just very repetitive. You know, Holden was constantly negative. He was cynical and critical towards other people. And he had a limited vocabulary, too. Like, he always said lousy, crummy, and phony. And after a while, it just got, you know, annoying and depressing to listen to him. Like, no joke, there were actual times when I actually wanted to rip my book in half. Yeah, like, most of the events just seemed pointless. They had literally nothing to do with the plot, and there was very little plot in general. And even the beginning ramblings that he has were really only manic depressive and didn't even have any theme in it. And the only time that we saw theme coming out of these stories was near the end of the book. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, I will say, though, Salinger does write Holden, like, very well. You know, like you said, a lot of the events do show that he's more of a rambler and show his negativity rather than the, no than the novel's themes. But I do think that Salinger does this because, you know, to really develop Holden and let the reader understand his persona and perspective. And, like, for me, Holden is the most vivid and complex character I've ever seen in a novel, and I think these events are, are why. And I think you hate it a little more than I do, but overall, I do say read it once because it's a classic, but it is by far overrated. I know that we talked about the themes a little earlier, but I want to bring back one, which is loneliness, that I saw in John Steinbeck's 1937 novel of Mice and Men and The Catcher in the Rye. Yeah, I noticed that too. There are a lot of connections because like we see loneliness in both Holden and characters like Crooks and Curly's wife. You know, Crooks is black and, you know, so he's not included in the other rancher's activities and he has to sleep in the horse barn alone. And Curly's wife, she's neglected and ignored by her husband. So, you know, she's always on her own and looking for other ranchers to talk to. And I think it's really interesting that both Crooks and Curly's wife have superiority and inferiority complex that cause them to revert to, cyn revert to cynicism, just like Holden. And Curly's wife takes advantage of Crooks' race and threatens to hang him, only to make herself fear less, feel less in uh, inferior and lonely. And likewise, Crooks messes with Lenny and tells him George isn't coming back, just to scare him and take advantage of Lenny's intellectual, intellectual challenges to make himself seem not as pitiful and lonely. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, you know, I would say the time period and social situation of A Mice and Men, you know, also reflects the themes of loneliness because Of Mice and Men is centered around migrant farm workers. And, you know, they're stereotypically a lonely people because they are always traveling alone without their friends and family. And they're trying to find work to recover from the Great Depression. So, Garrett, I know we've said a lot of negative things about the book, but, you know, I do think The Catcher in the Rye has a lot of good points that we can learn from. And one of these is that in order to achieve a goal, you must face its challenges because running from these challenges and taking the easy way out just so you can get to your goal, that's only going to result in a lack of fulfillment. No, I definitely agree with you. And I think that we see this most with Mr. Antolini, which is one of Holden's teachers, gives him the advice, the mark of the immature man is that he wants to die nobly for a cause. Well, the mark of the mature man is that he wants to live humbly for one. Yeah, and I think that's a really good piece of advice. So I want to take a minute to dissect it really quick. You know, if we take a closer look at this and ask, you know, what is a cause? Well, a cause is something that you fight for. So a cause is the goal that you want to achieve. And if we look at dying nobly for the goal, you know, death represents the end of something. So dying nobly is facing the challenges. 
I'm sorry, giving up on facing the challenges of a goal just so that you can easily achieve it. And, you know, when this is called immature, you know, it creates a sense of no purpose and lack of fulfillment. But, you know, if we look at living humbly for the goal, living represents movement and motivation. So living humbly is really facing those challenges and giving it your all. And, you know, by calling this mature, this becomes a really fulfilling option. Yeah, and we really see this advice as a truth with Holm throughout the novel. He wants to take the easy way out, live in the woods, go on his own, pretend to be a deaf mute. So he doesn't ever have to ever speak with anyone again, just to avoid the world's phoniness. This idea only makes him more lonely, so so lonely to where he feels he's literally vanishing off the streets. So if you want to feel fulfilled in your own accomplishments, give it your best and face its challenges, and don't take the easy way out, because it will only hold you back from truly succeeding. Thanks for tuning in to Book Bros. Have a great day, and remember, you don't have to read this book, because we read it for you. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.